Welcome to the Neurodiverse Love Podcast. I'm Mona and I was married for 30 years in that relationship for 32 and we didn't find out we were a neurodiverse couple until our 29th year of marriage. And I've been divorced since 2018 and together we have an amazing adult daughter who's thriving and doing fantastic. And today's episode of the podcast is a solo episode, and it is actually the last episode for season six. It's hard for me to believe that I've done six seasons, and I literally am recovering from COVID. You might hear a little nasalness in my voice. I got back from probably the most amazing trip I have ever gone on as an adult. It was a group tour to Havana, Cuba, and that has been a destination that's been on my bucket list for probably most of my adult life. And as many of you know, there have been lots of travel restrictions um, throughout the years that have not enabled us to go visit. But I was able to go on a group tour, and at first I was a little hesitant. Um, mostly because I've never been on a group tour for more than a few hours. But that's what I wanted to talk about today on the podcast, travel, because I know so many folks who have been in my support groups have talked about the challenges that they've had traveling with their partner. And it could be the autistic or neurodivergent partner complaining or the neurotypical non-autistic partner complaining. And their complaints oftentimes make for very challenging travel experiences. So I really thought about why this particular trip was so amazing for me. And I wanted to share a few things and also kind of bring up some topics that I think are really important for couples to think about before they start planning for a trip and then during the planning process, and then when they go on a trip or vacation together. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I wanna kinda ask you all to think about um, the last trip that you went on with your And if you haven't gone on a trip together, maybe your last family trip. And think about what went well and what went not so well. And I can think about all the trips my ex and I took that uh, went well, and the family trips that we took that went well, and many more that didn't go so well. And I wish I had known some of these things earlier, because we would have saved a lot of money. Um, We would have saved a lot of headaches and arguments and challenges. when we were sh- when we should have been having a fantastic you know great relaxing fun you know time so here are some of the things that made my group tour fantastic first of all i didn't have to plan anything and i know for many if not all of the trips that i took on in the past i had to plan everything so basically hired you know, what used to be a travel agent in the past, but even better than that, because they planned every meal, uh, every bus trip, every field trip, the transfers from the airport, the flight. Um, We had lectures, 
and we had amazing like on-site experiences kind of like field trips and every single detail was planned by somebody else I got the itinerary I knew what each day was going to you know look like and then I had the opportunity to connect with I think there were 23 of us on the on the group tour to meet different people sit at a table with different people talk to them um, get to know them have a drink with them eat a meal with them take a walk with them sit on the bus with them whatever and it just gave the the very um, extroverted kind of ADHD brain that I have uh, so much wonderful stimulation and excitement literally every day now I really wonder if my ex-husband or any of the other men that I've dated who are autistic would have liked this group tour. And I thought about it, you know, um, especially the guys I've dated recently, because I think it would have overwhelmed many of them, if not all of them. Um, they would have felt a little out of control, even though they had the itinerary for each day. Uh, we weren't necessarily told what we were going to be eating. Um, we weren't told about maybe the details of the <clears throat> the people we were going to be meeting at the different field trips, what have you. So I know this worked really well for me. I'll be going on many more group tours in the future, and specifically with this company, which was fantastic. And if you're interested in learning more about it, feel free to email me and I'll let you know. But I don't want to do a promo for them. But I realized that there were a few people uh, on the group tour who probably are neurodivergent. And actually one night at dinner, we walked into what was a fabulous restaurant that uh, one of the people on the group tour experienced un believable sensory overload and uh, she started crying got a massive migraine had to get up and walk outside for a while um, it was very very difficult for her but I knew exactly what was happening and so did um, her wife or her partner I think and so um, I luckily had some uh, ibuprofen I was able to give her for her headache and um, after spending a lot of time outside she was able to calm down more and or relax more and she was able to join us later on but I think one of the things that I've learned from looking back at all the trips that didn't work out is that not only was there sensory overload there wasn't enough enough alone time for my ex and even for my daughter I think at times so let's start with those two things and I think that when we take vacations and trips I think it's really important for both partners to look at what the sensory situation is going to be is it going to be hot is it going to be cold are you going to be uh, sitting for long periods of time are you going to have to stand for long periods of time are you going to have to listen to people talk for long periods of time are you going to be able to um, leave the like if you're with a group or at, at a museum or an event are you going to be able to leave for a while go get a drink go get something to eat have quiet time and I think if you can be flexible both of you and make sure that when 
um, one partner or both partners is feeling sensory overload, that there is a place and you kind of scope this out ahead of time where you can have alone time and quiet time. And that if you feel like there's too much, you know, happening as far as sensory issues, again, smell, lights, whatever, um, that you can leave the place where you are without a problem and be alone um, or do whatever it is you need to do. Take a walk, listen to music, you know, have a tea, whatever. Because I think if you cannot have those things in place, I think it can be really uh, debilitating for a partner who can't have that when they need it. And it can be really challenging for the couple and the whole family because again, you're spending usually a lot of money. You want to be able to enjoy yourself. The other thing that I realized might have been a challenge um, to my ex or other men that I've dated was all the socializing because we ate every single meal with other people. Um, you know, and, and I think that would be very, very, very difficult for somebody that needs alone time. Now for breakfast, you could have, there was an outdoor seating area and you could, you know, go outside and, and have your coffee or tea or meal or whatever. Um, but every other meal was kind of family style and, you know, we passed around the food and, um, if you didn't eat something that was there or you needed something different, I think it might have taken a lot longer to be served. It wasn't like, you know, going to restaurants in the United States or, you know, possibly even Europe or other countries. So I love meeting new people. I might love meeting strangers. I'll talk to anybody. And so for me, that was enjoyable. And I really switched it up. I went and like sat with, you know, most everybody in the group at least once. But I think that would be a challenge for folks who don't necessarily feel comfortable with small talk or starting over every meal with a new person. So, you know, to be able to find your people or if you're traveling as a family or with your partner, you know, to have your own table. I know in Europe they do a lot of um, kind of group tables or at least they did when, when I had gone. So being able to have a table to yourself in an area where you feel comfortable you know, being able to see what's on the menu ahead of time. I think all of those things can be really, really helpful for an enjoyable trip. The other thing is um, because everything was planned out for me, but not literally to the moment. In fact, our tour guide says, said to us, um, remember you're in Cuba and you're on Cuban time and things will happen on Cuban time. So, so, you know, we were expecting to go to one of our field trips at a particular time and had to wait an hour, an hour and a half. And I think that might be difficult for somebody that needed to have um, everything planned out and the timeline to stay in place, you know, so they could structure their day or whatever. So I think that's another thing. And then, you know, I am all about trying new adventures. So for me, you know, if I'm doing something for the first time, it's exciting. I don't need to know all the details. I don't need to know everything that's going to happen from, you know, step one to step 10. 
And so if that's something that you or your partner need and and the other partner wants to have adventures, are there opportunities for you to get a little bit of both or for you at certain times to be together, maybe for meals or when you're going to museums or, you know, you're going to, um, you know, see specific things that you both enjoy and you have in common. And then also to have time for your new adventures or exploring areas where one or uh, one of you doesn't feel comfortable or, you know, would be uh, very anxious or bored or overwhelmed. <clears throat> so I think that's a really great way to kind of balance that out. The other thing is I know um, you you may have a fear of flying, literally hate flying, or hate sitting for long periods of time, whether it's on a plane or a train or in a car. So I think it's wonderful now that we can walk around on planes, we can walk up and down the aisles. You know, you can take the things that, you know, kind of help you self-soothe, whether it's snacks or your favorite shows or music or books or um, games or whatever. I think that can be really helpful. And if you forget them, you know, go and buy them at the, at, buy some of those things at the airport, because I know it could be miserable to be flying with somebody who is just really overwhelmed. And then if you're sitting for long hours and it's a, you know, a car ride, take breaks, you know, there's no reason that you have to drive through for seven hours, take a break every half hour, every hour, walk for a few minutes. And hopefully that will uh, make the, the car trip or the long trip easier for both partners. The other thing that I know can be really challenging when a neurodiverse couple or family is is traveling together is food preferences and um, specific meal times that one or both partners might prefer. And so, you know, being upfront about the fact that, you know, you need this when you travel too, that the change is extremely difficult for you and sharing that with your partner and yes you can try to be flexible of course absolutely that's wonderful but if you find yourself you know kind of getting overwhelmed or anxious or angry or on the verge of maybe a meltdown or a shutdown i think it's really important to explain to your partner what you need ahead of time before you go on the trip um, and if you're trying to be flexible and it doesn't work out Maybe you and your partner can have either a code word that you're able to say to each other when you see that one or both of you is getting overwhelmed so that you can take time maybe apart or uh, you can walk out of the restaurant or the location where you are so that it doesn't have to become, you know, a very difficult situation that, you know, turns into an argument or a meltdown or a shutdown. And I think, you know, the more you can talk about all of these things ahead of time, the better chance you're going to have of having a, I'm not going to say excellent vacation, but a much better vacation or trip. And I think another thing that our uh, tour guide said to us <laughs> that, you know, I think needs to be kind of, you know, something that all neurodiverse couples and families think about. And that is two things. She said to be flexible in your mindset, 
which I know can be challenging at times, and know that things may change at the spur of the moment and or the drop of a pin. And what do you need to do to self-soothe? What do you need to do to reduce your anger or anxiety when things do change? Um, and either bring those things that help you get to that state, you know, relaxed, more um, regulated state, or um, ask your partner, you know, to have them if, if you know, you don't want to carry them around or, or, or whatever, whatever works, work as a team. And then the other thing was to have a sense of humor. And I laughed a lot <laughs> because people, you know, people are unique and none of us knew each other, you know, and so you know, everybody communicates differently. Everybody has different needs. And instead of taking literally anybody seriously, if somebody was a little too much, I just literally got up, you know, went to the bathroom, got up, looked around the location where we were, or, you know, went through my, looked in my purse, like, you know, I was looking for something to not, um, get overwhelmed or get irritated by somebody and as I said at the beginning this was literally the most phenomenal trip that I went on and I have to tell you it was my present to myself for my 60th birthday and uh, I celebrated my 60th birthday earlier this month and sometimes, not every year, but sometimes I don't make resolutions. I choose a word for the year. And in the past, um, my word, one of my words has been transform. Um, another one has been joy. Another one has been passion. And this year for my 60th birthday in 2024, the word that I have chosen is fun. And so I want to end this podcast by asking all of you to think about what you have done in the last three to six months that has been fun. And then what you have done in the last five to 10 years that has been fun, both as an individual and with your partner or your family or your friends or your coworkers. And what are you doing for the rest of 2024 to bring more fun into your life? Because one of the things that I hear often from neurodiverse couples is that they're so focused on their differences and the challenges and the misunderstandings and how they don't understand each other's perspective and they've forgotten how to have fun. And so I really want to encourage all of you to think about what puts a smile on your face and what you can do with your partner to put a smile on their face and how you can do those things literally every single day for the rest of the year. Mm -hmm.